Today's scripture reading comes from Luke chapter 12, verses 32 to 34. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The grass withers and the flowers fade. Well, it's my honor uh, to introduce uh, our guest speaker today, uh, Edwin Cologne. Uh, for those of you who have been at our church for a little bit, you know him and you've heard him before. Uh, for those of you who have never heard from him, uh, heard him before, he is the uh, senior pastor of Next Step Community Church, which is a phenomenal ministry just a couple blocks from Barclay Center. Uh, our church does a lot in partnership with them as well. Uh, but he's he's more than, uh, you know, just a pastor. He, Edwin is my friend, and uh, it's not often that you can say that one of your friends is your hero, um, but Edwin is my hero, and uh, I want to be more like Edwin. And so we're so grateful uh, to have Edwin here with us today. At the end of the Gospel of John, the very last verse, the very last thing that John writes in the Gospel of John is this. There were many more things that Jesus did, but I suppose if I were to write down everything that Jesus did, there wouldn't be enough room in this world for all the books that would be needed. And in many ways, I feel like that about Edwin. Uh, if everything were written down about, oh, and I have some stories, but if everything were written down about the things that he has done, I don't know if Manhattan or this world could fit all the great things that our brother has done. And so with that, I'm going to welcome our brother up. Can we give it up for our brother, Edwin? Super thrilled to be with you. I'm excited about being with this church. You guys are for real exiles, right? You move every couple of weeks. It's crazy. Um, this is, I think, the third venue that I've preached at this very same church. You get, that's how often you guys have moved around. This is awesome. Um, so today, we're, uh, today I'm going to share a little bit of my story. Uh, not a whole, uh, it's going to seem like a whole bunch, but it's, it's a little bit of my story. And I'm going to do that with you, but there's a, like a temptation. There's a temptation uh, when I share my story for you to do two things. One is you to go, oh, oh, that's what the profession, of course you do that. That's you. That's not me. I could never do that. To which I would say, trust me. I, when I share with you the stories, I was like, man, I, I, don't feel, I didn't feel like I could do anything that the Lord has asked me to do. So you could go that route. You could go, oh, oh, uh, it's just something he does. That's for the professionals. Yeah, pastors do that. That's what they're supposed to do. But that, that, that's not me. And I'm just letting you know, um, God can do extraordinary things through the person sitting in your seat. And then secondly, um, there, there might be a sense where you're like, oh, this, I, I, I do that. And what he's talking about, I've already done. And I'm doing more. To which I would say, yay, God. And wouldn't it be neat if we started to ask the Spirit to challenge us to wherever the next faith step would go? And so, last thing I'll say, well, that's not the last thing. I'm just starting, really. But the last thing I'll say about that is, if you're here uh, for the first time, today we're going to talk about the most sensitive subject in the whole world. And that's your money, which is like wild, 
right? Because you go, oh my goodness, I haven't been to church in years and this is what this dude is talking about? Like, and I just wanted to uh, share with you that if you haven't been here for a while, number one, if this is your first time at a service in a while, let me just say, I'm sorry <laughs> that I'm the guy who's speaking to you. Come next week, it'll be so much better. Aaron will be preaching, it'll be way better. And so I encourage you to come back next week. But what I would say also is um, we're, there might be some objections that you have to a guy like me, a professional pastor, speaking to you about money. And so I just want to say I'm not out for anything. If you don't give, I don't make a dollar. If you, if you do give, I don't make a dollar. I don't, it's not tied anything to me. I'm, I, I, want what's, I want something for you, not something from you. And hopefully my story will illustrate that and then we'll go from there. But I just want you to just be open, please. I'm just, I, don't, I know I don't deserve um, for you to trust anything that I say. Um, but I would ask anyway that you just, maybe, maybe God didn't make an accident by bringing you here today. Maybe God is wanting to do something in your own heart. We'll get right into today's message. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to speak to this beautiful, beautiful group of people, this precious church here in Manhattan. Father, I pray that you would move deeply, deeply in our hearts to move away those objections that we have to surrender ourselves fully towards you. I pray that you would touch our hearts in the place of hesitancy, where we feel like we don't want to go in any closer, where we're resisting your spirit, I pray that you would draw us to yourself. And Father, I would ask that in Jesus' name, you would um, make it so that we would see you as more beautiful than we ever have. And so we also pray against Satan's devices, the seeds that he's planted, the... uh, tricks that he's tried to use to draw us from Jesus. We come against him in Jesus' name. He has no authority over anyone here. And we ask that in Jesus' name, Lord, you would draw us to yourself and that we would uh, see you. I pray, Lord, that as you meet us at the point of our need, that we would be awakened to your beauty and that we would forgive the one who preaches his sin because there's a lot there. And that we would see Jesus and him only. And that you would be the happiest person in this room. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So I had this job that I was a handyman at, and this is way back, like, a few decades ago, but I had started this little Bible study that was getting out of hand. What I mean is that the Bible study that I was getting out of hand was that more people were coming. I didn't think that this was the way it was going to go. I just wanted a Bible study with my friends because I had just found Jesus, and I just wanted them to know Jesus like I knew Jesus. I'm that kind of guy who, when he buys ice cream and it's really good, I just go, oh, would you like to have some? I'm that guy because it's like so good. I just want to share it. And so um, 
I, I got to this point where we were like picking up homeless people from the street and bringing them to my home. I would sleep with them on the floor. My wife would sleep with the kids on the bed. And we did this for a long time. And God just did miraculous things. In fact, today, our church, we're having a surprise birthday party for some of the homeless people that show up to our uh, service. It's super cool. So if you can remember to pray for them and pray uh, for the uh, church, it's just beautiful. Well, so um, I was given a gift to go. At this time, I was given a gift to go to a retreat with my family. So it was like one of those retreats where you go, it's a bunch of Christians, they cook all your meals, that kind of thing. And so we go there, and I'm doing a devotional at night. And as, it, as was my habit, I don't do this much anymore, but I used to paraphrase the Bible. I would just like read a small passage, and then I would put it in my own words. It's a great uh, devotional technique if you wanted to do that, like in your own devotional time. Just paraphrase God's word. And so that's what I was doing. It was Psalm 121. It was, and it said this, uh, though you clean, oh, I'm sorry, wrong verse. It said, uh, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the Lord who made heaven and earth. So, so good, you know, you know, so far, right? It's fine. I'm paraphrasing it. And then it goes to this line and it says, um, lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not, this is it, he will not let your foot slip. And in the moment that I was reading that, I sensed that the Lord was calling me to leave my new job that I just got. And I was making more money than I had ever made in my entire life. I only have a sixth, I had at the time, only a sixth grade education. I had dropped out of school in junior high, so there was no uh, way I was going to get a job like this. I was in, it was a union job. I was making $25,000 a year. It was the most money I'd ever seen in my life. And I was like, there's no way. My wife was pregnant with our third kid. Because of the union job, we had medical benefits. I am sitting on top of the world. I have made it. Whatever making it is, I've just done it. And now Lord is saying, no, 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 Edwin, I want you to leave your security. I want you to leave your finances. I want you to leave all the gifts that I've given you for this other gift that I have for you. It was this church who couldn't pay me a thing. In the first, in the first three years, I personally got under fifty, got over fifty thousand dollars in debt, just keeping the church afloat. It was, it had nothing to offer. And so I read that sentence. That sentence that said. Uh, He will not let your foot slip. And I said, yeah, you are. Oh, yeah. Like I literally, I was writing because I paraphrase, and I said, the Lord will never let you experience pain. I go, well, that's not what that sentence says. Scratch it out. Uh, the Lord won't let you fail. Well, that's not true. That's not what that sentence is saying. And I kept on trying to rephrase it till I got to the point where I was like, no, I can't write what that sentence says. 
because you are going to let my foot slip. I'm not going to be able to have money for my wife to be able to give birth. Where's that going to come from? I'm not going to be able to provide for us. He says, I'm going to do this and it's all going to go bad. You're going to let my foot slip. You're going to let this all crash down around me. And so I remember wrestling with God all night and just going, God, I, I, I don't think, have you ever been there where God is asking of something from you and that thing that he's asking for is your security. It's the thing that you rely on. It's the thing that you go to for joy. It's, the, it's your identity. It's the way that you see yourself. And it's like God is asking for that thing. And you're like, no way. I need this. So I tell my wife I'm going to leave. God just comforts me in that moment. He doesn't, there's nothing that I got like, oh, don't worry, Edwin. It'll be just fine. I'm going to pay you. You're going to have more security with me. Don't worry. I'll put your kids through college. I'll do all that stuff. None of that. It was just a comfort that he gave my soul. Tell my wife I'm going to quit. Go to the job. And as I go to the job to tell him that I'm going to quit, he comes up to me, the, the, the supervisor. And I was a handyman at the time. And he goes, Ed, um, we want to offer you the, sup- uh, the super's position you know, like a super in a building. It was a luxury apartment complex. That jumps me from 25000 to to $100,000 a year. Like I was balling before, but now I'm a super shot caller, right? And I was like, but the Lord had put that thing on my heart. So I looked him in the eye and I said, let me think about that because I'm super spiritual and I do everything that Jesus tells me to do. And then I came back to him and I basically told him, hey, listen, if you would just give me this amount of time free, I'd be able to do both. I wanted to negotiate with God. I wanted to be able to do both. And, and the guy said, no, no, you had a 24-7 position. You got to stay here. And of course, now I knew what I had to do. I said, let me think about it a little more. I wonder if I told this part to the, um, the first uh, congregation, but there was literally a moment where I was said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. This is going to take care of us. This is the smart thing to do. The Lord had been moving in my heart and I did something against my, what I felt my own mind was telling me to do. And I went up to him and I said, I'm putting in my two-week resignation. He goes, Edwin, are you crazy? I'm like, probably. And I put in my two-week resignation, and then I called my wife. No, a few hours later, my wife called me. True story. I didn't tell this part of the con- There's a lot of stories, so I didn't tell this part of the con- um, to the first congregation. You guys get the special treatment. And so my wife calls me up, and she says this. She goes, Edwin, did you put $2,500 in the bank? I thought it was the stupidest question I ever heard. I was like, really? She might as well have asked me if I put $10 million in the bank. It was like $2,500. I was like, yeah, you know what? I was on the way to the Porsche dealer, and I decided I'd put $2,500 in the bank. Yeah, that's me. And she goes, no, no, Edwin, we have $2,500 in the bank right now. And I said to her, yo, get that money out before they find out. No, I'm kidding. I didn't say that. I did not say that. I said, don't touch the money. I said, somebody's going to find out that they've made a mistake. 
45 minutes later, my wife calls me back again and she says this, because we had applied for this um, medical coverage that they give people who don't make enough money. And so uh, we had applied and they denied us because at my new balling job, I made something like $400 more a year than I, uh, than I had to qualify for that. She said, they called back, they made a mistake. We qualify. And in like two hours, God answered both of the questions in my heart about what it meant to serve him. He said, he, and in that day, he taught me this lesson, that he'll take care of me no matter what it looks like. And sometimes, by the way, it's $2,500 in the bank. And there was a beautiful story behind that that I, can't have to, I don't have time to tell you. But God did provide that $2,500. And he did provide medical coverage. And he did provide all the things that we needed in order to serve him. Now, I'm sharing that with you because today we're going to be talking about money. And when we talk about money, it's one of the most sensitive subjects in the world. But I'm here to tell you, not as a person who's a salesman who wants something from you, but as a fellow traveler along this road with Jesus, that Jesus can be trusted with my resources. Jesus can be trusted with my security. Jesus can be trusted with my reputation. Jesus can be trusted with my status in life. Jesus can be trusted. You can't outgive God. And Frank, um, Anne Frank, the uh, young girl who wrote the diary, her diary during uh, the time of the Holocaust, she said this, no one has ever become poor by giving. I'm telling you, that's right. That's my story. No one has ever become poor by giving. That giving does a unique thing to the giver. It enriches them in so many different ways. So you're here, and I know there's like, like this mental judo that we do with pastors, because right, I used to sit in the seats, and you argue with the pastor, and he's like, of course you're talking, and you have the mental judo, right? It's like, the, it's like oh, only pastors want my money. And you know, so like I say something, and then, and then I say something else, and he's like, yeah, but you're going to use it for a Cadillac. And it's like, no, I'm not going to use it for a Cadillac. And it's like, and as a matter of fact, not, not a dime is going to come to me anyway. So the, the point that I'm trying to make is that I don't want you to get stuck with this idea that I want something from you. I want you to start being liberated to the thought that God is going to do something in you. And again, as Anne Frank said, no one has ever become poor by giving. And so we go to our text, Luke 12 32 through 34, because God is going to try to drill this idea that you being generous is the best possible thing for your life. That you being generous is the most beautiful way to give. It's the most beautiful way to live. That you being generous will free you from the bondage of being a slave to your stuff. And I get it. Listen, you got schools to pay off. You got parents to impress. You got a society and a group of people that you want to let know that you have made it and you're good. Or maybe you're a college student and you don't feel like you have a dollar to your name. And there's no way that this message applies to you. Listen, if you, this message really applies to you, especially when you don't have anything. Especially when you don't have anything. I remember years later, um, we were, um, we, as I told you, we were planting the church, and there was just this point where it, we needed a few hundred dollars more a month 
And it was the choice between, you know, giving that to the church or paying the insurance on my Monte Carlo. I had a 1984 Monte Carlo. Look it up later. It's the coolest car in the history of the world. I love the Monte Carlo. So the 1984 Monte Carlo was a beautiful car that I loved and I dreamt about always having. It's literally the only car, interestingly enough, it's the only car I've ever bought in my life. The 1984 Monte Carlo is the only car I've ever bought in my life. Every car after that was a gift to me. I'm not kidding. And so I had the opportunity either keep on paying the insurance or give it in. Um, and, and again, there was a whole lot of wrestling and I didn't want to do it. And how am I going to get my family to the church service? And how am I going to go get groceries? And God was faithful. He was kind. And he just drew me to himself and reminded me of his presence. And if I could go back there, I would have said what Anne Frank said to me. It's like, no one has ever become poor by giving. That's literally our big idea for today. That's what I want you to just sort of internalize. That in giving, you're not losing something, you're gaining something. And that in giving, you're not, you're not throwing something out, you're being poured in. So I gave the car up and the church is just fine and God has been gracious. And again, the last time I ever paid for a car was that 1984 Monte Carlo. So we look at our text today, and we've already read it, but I want you to look at it a little bit slower, um, with a little bit more care. I want you to see it. It says the first phrase, it says this, do not be afraid. You know why the, Jesus is starting in this text with do not be afraid? Because when it comes to money, we have nothing but terror. We have nothing but fear. We have nothing but, oh my gosh, but what am I going to do if I lose this? Or what, is, what are my parents going to think of me? Or what are the neighbors going to think of me? Or what is my family going to think of me? What, what am I going to do? There's so much fear tied up with our money because it's where we go to for security. It's where we go to. This is like really, really, really important. My family literally scraped by, struggled to send us to college so that we could make something of ourselves, so that we could provide for them. And if we start giving our money away, we're not going to be able to do that. It's going to ruin all of our plans. There's so much fear, anxiety, uncertainty about our money. And so because Jesus knows that about our hearts, he meets us at the point of our need. He meets us right where we're at. You go, you go I'm not scared uh, of money yet. Watch. Go ahead and get you some. And then be threatened to lose some or a lot of it. And see if this is not true. So much of our identity is wrapped up in our money. So Jesus starts off by saying, don't be afraid. Don't be scared. Then he says this, little flock. Isn't that cool? It's like you're, you know, you know what a little flock is, right? He's talking about like a flock of sheep, like a little, a little group of sheep. You know what sheep are? Sheep can't protect themselves. They need someone to protect them. They need a shepherd. And he calls his people little flock because he's going to protect them. He's going to make sure that he draws them and brings them to the place of where they have what they need. 
And that when enemies of the flock come to try to disturb the flock, he's going to put himself in harm's way so that he can, so that they can be all right, even if it means him getting hurt. He calls them a little flock. But he doesn't just stop there. He says this. He says, do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. So first he says, don't be scared. And then he gives us three pictures of what it looks like when we're in God's care. When when God is all that he wants to be in our lives. He gives us three pictures. God's a shepherd. God's a, a papa. God's a king. God's a shepherd. God's a papa. God's a king. Do you see it in the text? It says this, little flock, for your father. We just talked about the little flock, so let's see the father. For your father has been pleased to give. You could give because your father's been pleased to give. And so you have a a shepherd who takes care of, protects, and leads, and guides, but you have a father who's full of wisdom and full of presence. And I know if you are like me, where you grew up with a father who, uh, when you hear the word father, it doesn't ring all the bells because your father, you know, there's some disappointments there or some harms or hurts or real scars. I want you to know that God is a perfect father. Like if your dad, everything your dad did was out of an abundance of pure love, had perfect wisdom, resourced you perfectly and gave you what you needed, corrected you in a perfect way. If that was your dad, he would have looked a lot more like the father in heaven than your and my dad presently looked. We have a a God who's a, a shepherd. We have a God who's a father, but we also have a God who's a king. It says this, he would give you the kingdom. That means your subjects. And there, and there he reigns and rules and writes good laws for the good of his kingdom subjects. God is a, a shepherd. He protects. He guides. He's a father. He gives wisdom. He gives presence. He provides. He's a king who gives edicts and direction and governs well his people. Don't be afraid. Why? Because God is all these three three things for you. Don't be afraid. And then he tells them what they are going to be afraid of if he would have told them this before he said, don't be afraid. He said, sell your possessions and give to the poor. I love that. The reason I love that is because he's making those in need our priority. Now, the thing is, is that you and I, uh, pain has a way of doing this. You know how like pain makes you self-centered? You, you, you know what I'm saying? Like if you have a headache and people are just talking a normal volume around you, you're like, would you just be quiet? It's like, dude, I'm just talking around. Yeah, but pain has a way of making us self-centered. Like it's all about us, right? Money has a way of making us self-centered too. Money has a way of focusing all of our attention on us. Where are we going to go on vacation? What are we going to do for Thanksgiving? Where are we going to travel to? What kind of clothes are we going to get this Black Friday? What kind of stuff are we going to, right? It's like it has, money has a way of kind of focusing us in ourselves. And so Jesus sees that. He sees that the number one heavyweight challenger for your affections, for your heart, for your allegiance is Money. 
your stuff. So then he tells us, sell, give to the poor. What? I love that. You know why that's so good? Because even if you have no money, you have stuff. You have a phone, sell it. Give to the poor. Like, think about that. Why wouldn't you? Because it means so much to me. I'm afraid that if I give it, what, am I, am I, and here's your argument. What, I'm supposed to live on nothing? No, no, no. Jesus will provide. He got you. The point, the point is, is that money wouldn't be your treasure, but that God would be. And if God's your treasure, you can trust him. I'm telling you, I got experience. I didn't always feel like that. 2007, uh, we were serving at the church, and, and we had no money. I made $800 a month. The church was seven years old. I was making the big bucks. I made just enough to live with my mother, and then when that couldn't continue on because my mother was uh, struggling with paranoia, uh, she was a paranoid schizophrenic, and it wasn't good for the kids to be around her at a certain point. And so we became homeless. Homeless. Like we have a ministry to the homeless. I mean, home, we became homeless, me and my four kids. It was Edwin, Serenity. We got six kids now, but back then it was four. It was Edwin, Serenity, Grace, and Lydia. Don't be distracted when I said I have six kids, okay? Come back. The sermon's not over, Okay. Edwin, Serenity, Grace, and Lydia. And I remember sitting in my desk. I was like, this is crazy. This is crazy. God, what are you going to do? And I'm talking about homeless, like homeless sleeping with the homeless, homeless cooking with the homeless, homeless showering with the homeless. Homeless. I was like, God, what are you doing here? And I had this like sort of entitled, God had to beat this sort of entitled sense in my heart. I, my, I had this erroneous idea that if I do good, God owes me nonsense. It's ridiculous. I deserve nothing. God has given me salvation and life. Any breath that I take is out of deep deep giftedness that God has given me. He owes me nothing. He's already given me everything. But we were homeless, and that was painful. Remember the big idea for today? No one has ever become poor by giving, but boy, I would have argued with that in that moment. But God was enriching my soul. He was doing something in my heart. He was doing something that the stuff that we had could not do. He was making me more dependent on him. Again, making him my treasure rather than the stuff in this world that passes away my treasure. And so for two years, two years, two years, for like over 700 days, I got to watch my wife cry herself to sleep because she felt deeply called to the ministry that we were doing, but this hurt. 
For two years, I had to lock my daughters. We, again, like I said, we slept with the homeless, but I, I put them in this little, I don't know, it was like a storage room in the church, and it had like a double lock. You know like the tub- double locks where you need a key this way or a key that way? You know, both ways. I remember leaving the bucket for them. And all three of them, I said, hey, if you have to go to the bathroom, just go to the bucket, because I couldn't stomach the idea of them coming out and one of the homeless people that we were ministering to do something terrible to them because not every homeless person that we minister to is mentally stable. God was doing something. And I can tell you that after those two years, there was, and it was interesting because after six months, I was like, oh, I think I see what you're doing. You're growing my affections for you, helping me to trust in you, not in locks, not in money, not in stuff, that I could trust you for the good of my family. You want to hear something interesting? My, uh, my four oldest children, right? 30, Edwin, Serenity, 23, Grace, 21, Lydia, 19. They all look back in that moment with fondness. They were like, whoa, remember that adventure? I was like, yeah, I don't remember it the way you guys remember it. But that was the point. It was like, it was like, um, it was like that Italian movie years and years ago, um, Life is Beautiful. Do you remember that um, uh, movie where they're in like the concentration? I'm not comparing our homelessness to concentration camps. I'm just saying with the, the, the point that the father uh, made this like game of being in a concentration camp, it's how he got his son through it. It's like really, really beautiful. It was like, it was like that, except it wasn't me because I was too into my thing. Jesus did it. Jesus made it an adventure for them. Because you, because God was doing the impossible. And in that, God was doing something in our hearts. Because as you give, you find that God is pouring into Pouring into your hearts. He did in mine. Sell your possessions. Give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. Why would the scriptures tell us to provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out? You know why? Your purses will wear out. Of course they will. Of course they will. It's why people have been going crazy over crypto. Uh, is, I'm not just, you know, think in your mind about how crypto has like uh, been, you know, a very popular thing amongst our society. I know it's tanking now, but you get the point what I'm saying. The point is, is that people recognize that this kind of currency is going to wear out. So they're putting their trust in another form of cu- currency, hoping that they'll be protected under the onslaught of that currency, because that's going to wear out. Of course it is. It's all going to wear out. So God goes, I got an idea. Since this is only going to wear out, why don't you invest, not in crypto, not in stocks and bonds. And if you do, that's dope. Do that and be generous with that as well. But if you do that, here's what I want you to know. I want you to invest in the kingdom of God. Because if you do that, you'll find the dividends much better than you can imagine. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure, not on earth. A treasure, 
Not one that makes your parents more proud to talk about you. A treasure. Not so you could have more and more and more. A treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And that last line is speaking to the evidence of our following Christ. When, when we give money away, like when we give to the beautiful, the, you just saw Ed and Sally give this precious presentation, they're going to be right there. And I want to encourage every one of you to go up to them and ask them, how can I serve? How can I help? Because think about it. If it was your sister or your brother who was struggle, who was being held captive in sexual slavery, would you want the church that heard that to be like laissez-faire about that? Or would you want them to be generous and care about the, that cause? Of course you would want them to care. So I want you to care like it's your family members and you can go to Sally and Ed and find out more how you can donate and be generous and serve for the, for the sake of those who don't have. That doesn't make you a Christian. It just makes you more Christ-like. Do you understand what I mean? In other words, we're not trying to earn our way to heaven, but what we discover is that we are, those who do that, it's evidence that they're heaven bound. It's evidence that they're moving towards Jesus. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, in closing, let me just share this. Could you imagine what your life would be like? Could you imagine if, what your life would be like if you didn't care so much about what you had, about getting the newest phone? I mean, good night. In a few days, matter of fact, before you came in here, matter of fact, some of y'all right now are looking on your phones to see what kind of upgrades you can get when the Black Friday uh, sale hits. Or maybe it's the new shoes that you've been looking for. Or maybe the new clothes or the electronics or the TV or the gaming system or whatever it is. What if life did not have you bound like that? What if you were free to be generous with what God has given you? Let me tell you what would happen. There would be people in heaven that you would meet who you, some of them you don't even know how to speak their language, who would come up to you in heaven and you would say, thank you. And you would shake their hand and you'd go, for what? And they'd say, thank you, because when you gave resources to that ministry, that ministry provided a way for me to exit out of sexual slavery, or that ministry provided a way for me to exit out of homelessness, or that ministry provided a meal for me, and then in, that, in the context of that meal and that escape from homelessness and escape from sexual slavery, they gave me the gospel, and now they didn't just heal that resource that you gave, because you did without, I got Jesus. Could you imagine what life would be like living more than just this moment, but beyond it. So you have a couple of opportunities. At the end of this, you have uh, Sally and Ed to talk about that sort of thing. And also you have Hope for New York, which is behind that door where it says exit on that side. And you can go and you can sign up on how you could serve this city. What would it be like? What would the city be like if we were a church like that? The city would be blown away by the love of Christ. And many people would come into the kingdom. And many needs would be met. And your heart would grow. 
and you would have less worry and anxiety because your stuff doesn't have your whole, a grip of your heart, but Jesus does, oh, you'd be a totally indistinguishable person from the person that you are now. Less anxious, less worrisome. Don't be afraid and forget. No one has ever become poor by giving. Let's pray. Father, I'm so grateful. Grateful that we get to be here together. Grateful that we get to share our time together. And thank you for the songs. Thank you for Pastor Aaron and his leadership. Thank you for the beauty of this service coming together. Lord, so many of us are still so afraid. Lord, would you just start chipping away at that? Chipping away at our fear, chipping away at anxiety of losing our stuff. Would you help answer those questions that are in my heart that I never answered? And would you move deeply in our souls so that we might be able to trust you beyond all things? Recognizing that you, you are enough. Help us to be generous with that which you've given us and glorify you in all things. For we do pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen.